All right, everybody, uh, we're talking about episode, I think it's eight, uh, yeah, I think it's eight, it's seven, the seventh episode to, to come out, but the first one was a two-parter, so it's technically episode eight, or it's episode nine, or it's episode seven, uh, because, I, you know, I'm not good with that kind of stuff, but it opens in uh, a library, which is a familiar place for me, since I worked in a library for some time. And to spend some time in, uh, it was, it was Tostitos Presents, a public library brought to you by GoDaddy. And it seems to be in Arizona because the cars in the parking lot have uh, Arizona license plates. Uh, uh, Michael and Eleanor are in, in the library talking. They're in the poetry section. The only book there for poetry book is a Jeff Foxworthy's, uh, uh, book roses are red and so is my neck uh, so we'll cover that uh, also cover try to look up a dewey decimal system for poetry uh, a couple things on the like sign we see a sign that says rj61 and sf439 i didn't look up what those were uh, janice many gizmos or janice memory gizmo uh, Michael has a tote bag from Coyote Joe's. Uh, I can't read the bottom writing on that, though. He says things like, take my word for it. Uh, but Eleanor says, I need to see it for myself. Uh, those are my memories, and I want them back. Another little inside joke on the wall was a sign with a whale jumping. One of those inspirational signs, but it said gratitude instead of gratitude. I think G-R-A-T-A, dude. With a whale jumping, but I couldn't see the uh, quote underneath it. Uh, Barnum paper, oh, b- banana paper towel, uh, towels in a bowl, Michael puts down on the library table. If they didn't shoot that in the library, it is a great, uh, really great uh, set uh, dressing. Holy mackerel. Because, I mean, I'm not kidding. I work in a few different libraries in the past, and... Uh, the chairs and the table is I, I salute them. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, Eleanor gets a three second movie, uh, a three second memory trip. Uh, and uh, we see that whatever version of the good place, whatever reboot she's in, it's uh, one of it's the satay, uh, like a kebab, because uh, it's one of the stores says a satay night fever, S A T A Y. So it's a saute reboot. Uh, is that the sauce or the, or the style of cooking? I think that's the peanut sauce. So I don't know if it was a kebab reboot or it's just a saute. A saute. And I'm probably not saying that correctly. Vicky and uh, something. Who's that other person? Uh, sorry, I'm reading my writing, not watching the show. It's Bomba John. And uh, they say, but bonjour, bonjourno. And Eleanor says, dweebs. Then there's a big payoff, uh, and the episode opens to chapter 34. Uh, after the open, this looks like it says Walder, like it's in Sir Walder Frey. Uh, but I don't think it does. Though Eleanor says, do I look HOT bald? And then I, suddenly I'm saying, hmm. No offense, but you do you did look a bit like Walder Frey, maybe, maybe not, maybe that uh, that's not what my notes say. I think that's my short longhand for Eleanor. Michael says no, you did not pull that off. Uh, 
And he said, after that short clip, clip we've rewired your brain, uh, like inoculated it, so we can do another reboot of full memory. Reboot 117 or 119. Uh, and Michael says, all you do is sleep and chew, you humans, a lot of the times. Uh, then we have Eleanor with the basic writings of Nietzsche, talking about free will, moving on from free will and determinism. A little foreshadowing. What does that say? Done. Oh, free will versus determinism. Done. Oh, we're done with Nietzsche. Uh, Eleanor corrects several hilarious stuff about it. There's a mention of Thomas Aquinas. Chidi uh, sneezes and Eleanor, hand, without saying anything, she hands him a tissue. Which reminded me of this, the one scene I remember from this movie from the 90s called Singles, which was known more for its grunge soundtrack uh, than the content of the movie, I believe. Uh, though I believe the movie was based on like Cam and Crow's reporting of Pearl Jam, like a fictionalized version of that. I'm not even positive. I'm just making that up. But uh, um, it is a Cam and Crow movie. Uh, but it, it just reminded me of the scene from that movie that I barely remember, so we'll talk about that later. The tissue for the sneeze. What are you grinning at? Now, this scene I didn't pay attention for. I'm behind, but the scene in the show, Eleanor's petting her pet with one finger uh, while Chidi walks and paces behind her talking, uh, debating on what pet he's going to have. Young and unaccomplished. Then they go... To the good place kind of theme in the good, original good place neighborhood from season one. It's pick a pet day. And Michael says, my favorite residence, hardy, har, har, don't tell anyone. Then there's a mention of Siamese cats. Uh, Glenn, uh, not Glenn, Barbara Streisand maybe gave uh, Tahani a Siamese cats. Uh, mythical pets, penguins, and uh, Jason. Uh, Chidi can't choose between two very cute uh, puppies. Uh, what does that say? Oh, a, a, a laser, but it's not laser. It's lasered. Rhymes almost with lasered, but it's a pet that Eleanor gets. Uh, then there's a sign that says, uh, ask about the mirror centaur. So then Tahani asks, she says, Michael, tell me about the mirror centaur. And that ends up, it's going to be, I don't know if you could have a sentient, fully sentient pet, but it's Tahania, the goddess of beauty or something. And uh, so that ends up being Tahani's uh, pet is a mirror centaur. Uh, Chidi gets an owl. He ends up having issues with his owl later. Eleanor helps him. And anyway, they're going back and forth, uh, sharing a moment. Right now it's on screen, and a smiling moment. Michael pulls Eleanor's earplugs out, and she, Eleanor says, What are you doing? I was watching myself fall in love in fake heaven. I want to get back to it. Uh, and right now they're talking. Michael's, I think Michael's tie has uh, stars on it. He has a regular old, like whatever you call it, a Bradford tie. I don't know. That's what I'd call it. Uh, Windsor tie, the kind of tie you put in a Windsor knot. We call it a Bradford tie. I mean, yeah, let's see. There's doing a slow zoom on. Uh, Eleanor puts the earplugs back in. Probably a cut for a commercial. Then we come back, and there's a there's a giant magenta peacock at the start of the scene. It's absolutely mesmerizing uh, after that break. Uh, deep, deep magenta or hot pink, maybe. 
Where's my notes here? Where's the pink? Uh, giant magenta peacock. Good plates. So the version, we're, we're in the good plates version of the good place. Uh, uh, Tahani mentions uh, a combination skin. Uh, Eleanor wants to ride Tahani's mirror centaur. And really uh, some great... Uh, Great performance here is Tahanya comes and uh, Tahani's making a bunch of faces, reacting to to, to the different pets. Really watching it. Uh, holy mackerel, it's good, good stuff. Uh, can I ride your withering stare? Uh, she also mentions the horse ballets. I guess her and Camilla would have with their horses. Uh, Michael's back in his good place 1.0, out, you know, bow ties and stuff. Uh, Tahanya has a wreath uh, over her head. Uh, she's you just you gotta watch this. Have I mean you gotta watch the season. Uh, Tahanya Tahani's face. Uh, oh, we get to turn. Michael says you get to transform into your pets at a party. Oh, Jason. We see Jason's penguin has Bortles jersey on. And this is really there's a lot of really fast uh, quick jokes. You got to be watching for this stuff. Uh, there's a li- like a laser search, but not for for Eleanor's a laser. Lasered. Yeah, she has a lasered. Uh, they search for that. Then we realize, okay, it is the kebab universe because uh, we see the kebab patch in. But at first, that's what I thought. It was kebab patch in. And this is kebab patch kids. Also, FYI, if you're big, uh, you, if you're near Universal Studios or you used to watch that show, uh, uh, Big Farm Forces, uh, she wrote. I think that place was called like Colbyville or something. That's where this is shot. And also a fish friend. Uh, so if you go on the Universal Studios tour, uh, this was part of it. Uh, and that's how good, you know, would you say, Scooch, you, your memory is like a steel trap and only very unique. And I say, yeah, if you, uh, the Universal Studios tour is one thing I remember because I fantasize about sitting right where, uh, Eleanor and Chidi are just waving at the passing trams. Uh, let's see, though. Where are we? Love is stronger. They kiss, so they share. They have their first kiss. They're drinking Chemex coffee. Uh, then they kind of go back and forth like a debate. Uh, like we see that they're in love. Uh, Eleanor says, show me. Love is stronger. Uh, Michael, oh, then we go all the way back because uh, Michael's trying to argue that love is stronger, I think, and Eleanor's trying to talk about determinism now. So we go all the way back uh, to Michael back in version 1.0. Oh, with Eleanor and Cheedy. He's got just his tie is off the charts. He has a like a two, nice suit, it's like a two tone, it's a dark navy tie. With these dots or circles or polka dots that are two-tone blue with a pink center. Uh, so I don't know if you classify those as polka dots or circles. Uh, he mentions a French cuff shirt. Uh, really, it was just you. We talk about, at first I thought it was predeterminism, but we realize it's determinism. Uh, then this is the debate between Ellen or Michael about there's no such thing as free will. Michael wants to prove, so there's this whole uh, undercurrent, this philosophical undercurrent we're being, we're being learned, we're learning maybe, or, you know, some of you are learning that are paying attention. 
Uh, first round, Eleanor's pro- the problem is me. Cliffhanger. Uh, okay, so this is the first round. No reboot. This is pre-reboot. This is Eleanor 1.0. Well, 2.0, like uh, Eleanor Big Farm, Good Place 1.0. Uh, which, what was the food in 1.0? Was, was it a pizza or what? Uh I can't, I honestly can't remember, uh, the good plates. I can't remember what the other places sold. Maybe it was, wasn't there one with, uh, with a medieval theme? I think it was, oh, oh, uh, saw, uh, what is that? Frozen yogurt. It was the frozen yogurt edition. Uh, first round, you know, Eleanor says the problem is me. That's when she stands up, uh, that cliffhanger. And Michael says, see, you stood up for cheating. So, and Eleanor says, no, 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 you forced us. Don't you get what determinism is? Uh, then I put a star here. So do yourself a favor and watch this because it's reboot 444-444-444. Yeah, they jump to cheaties in a purple space bubble. It is uh, unbelievable. Hopefully they revisit it because Michael says, you got to see it. Uh, maybe next season. He says, oh, no, let's go to 445. Uh, at this point, Michael seems exasperated. Oh, wait a second. So Eleanor's reading a book that I couldn't catch last time. F- Philosophy for ding-dongs, for morons. Uh, uh, she's the book she's reading. They tried to say, I couldn't see it the other one. I guess it wasn't close enough, but uh, so that's funny. Um, let's see. She says, no, you forced us. So then we go to reboot 445. Uh, my, that's when Michael's exasperated. His coat's on his chair, and uh, his tie's untied. Dictionary of Scientific Biography is another book behind Eleanor. They're in the reference section. And normally, that's like where somebody can keep an eye on you. Yeah, but they're in the regular stacks. Uh, let's see. So, uh, where are we? We got to do this one reboot. Uh they they go to a diner. Uh, this is when uh, okay. So they do the one reboot. Uh, there's the space bubble. Okay, so here's Michael worn out. There's scrumble papers on his chair. He, he so he brings up this great thing. There's a. Uh, I tried to write it all down, and I said, "Why don't I just pause it and read it?" Uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. But he had like crumbled up papers, crumbled up papers, blueprints. Uh, but he brings up this, you know, uh, virtual computer screen. And I didn't read all this, so Sophia was reading it with me. So I don't know how much we'll find out. But it has a, a circle at the center with Eleanor Shellstrop. Uh, and then a link to four other circles. And one is uh, the top left, uh, if you're looking at it, uh, is a bad memories. And it says, summer camp GI issues, lifetime ban from the post office, uh, hair pullings, her. Uh, smaller than that is hair pulling others, uh, ambient hamster mishap. Uh, then on the bottom left is enemies, uh, Rihanna's bodyguard, a barefoot contessa, no one-sided. Uh, various Rite Aid employees, Princess, Princess Jasmine, note one-sided fictional. Uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, note one-sided from his side. Uh, family is a top right circle. It says mom's date with Anthony Kiedis, a celebrity lookalike. Uh, 
In maternity ward, mother introduced her to nurse as my little sister. Uh, Dad forgot birthday, changed the birth certificate so he wasn't wrong. Uh, Dad arguing with the Arizona State University Financial Aid Office. Uh, Mom once made mac and cheese with wine instead of milk. Uh, And then bottom right is S-H-A-M-E-S is... uh, uh, Mr. Peanut Tattoo, Spotify Playlist, Forgetting Brad, uh, Love of Bare Naked Ladies, uh, Problematic Halloween Costumes, Attraction uh, to Sam the Eagle, Shrimp Farts, in quotes, uh, can't remember how to spell calendar, which is maybe misspelled, I can't spell it, no matter how many times she learns. And then Michael could even cycle through. There's an arrow to the left screen that doesn't exist, say fears and anxieties, into a right screen that doesn't exist that says teen years. So pretty funny and really, uh, you know, just like some of these other stuff that comes up. uh, Then they talk about, they pay off the Sam the Eagle thing a few times. uh, And then Eleanor says, wait a second, who are you? And then she points to the Doug Forsett painting who is this guy? Uh, then she says, am I in the big farm? And then she goes, is Sam the Eagle here? Uh, then they're back discussing things at this diner in Arizona. And uh, Michael d- d- drops some iced tea on Eleanor. Uh, and they say, you can't be vulnerable. You're using determinism. Who even cares? Uh, and this is really when you get to the, the heart of the matter for real. Uh, this is a super heartfelt, uh, this next four minutes or something, really, really excellent, excellent. Uh, I don't know how they do it without being, uh, you think it's just carried on the, the acting and the writing and the directing and the scene and the crew and the sound, you know, in the call, you know, everything. Because uh, it is no, like, uh, schm- is that what Schmaltz said? Uh, like, uh, there isn't any. Uh, they say, Michael says, I do. I want to believe it matters. Uh, he talks about how picking your friends up at the airport, which they have to do, is could be the considered the worst possible use of free will. I would say helping someone move, probably. But uh, picking people up at the airport or bringing them to the airport for early flight is not far off. Uh, yeah, but he says, that's what I'm going to do. And Eleanor kind of gets it at first. Then we see the Soul Squad at the airport parking. Jason's happy about taking a first-class flight. Then they're at the back of the car. Eleanor apologizes to Michael. Uh, She talks about her use of the blame hose. uh, uh, And then she says, uh, wait a second. What if we're the only truly free beings because we know how things work? And she says, if that's the case, we need to be bold and take the Soul Squad to the next level. And Michael totally agrees. He says, uh, we need to find someone who could be a blueprint for humanity. And Eleanor says, Rihanna? Totally. And he says, no, no, I got something else uh, cooler than Rihanna. And he says, let's go to uh, uh, rural Canada. Then we cut to a final closing scene, which is like uh, the the, um, underworld, whatever, like uh, lab. uh, And our friend Glenn is working on a reddish colored portal. Uh, There's someone in a chrysalis. Sean is there. 
The other person that worked in the upper office is like, uh, who's there? And I don't know. Uh, he takes Vicky out of the crystal and says, go through this makeshift portal. Uh, what is it? It's a legal do- door to earth. Uh, and it works. Uh, then Sean uh, comes through. Uh, people come through. Then Glenn sticks his head through and says, well, like, because uh, Sean's taking the credit, kind of. And he says, we all helped. Uh, he says, shut up, Glenn. And the episode comes to a close. Uh, but yeah, let's run through, let's see. Okay. Yeah. So let's run through some of the stuff that came up. Jeff Foxworthy was on this episode and what does it say about Jeff Foxworthy? Uh, American standup. Oh, oh, here's the thing. Larry, the cable guy and Jeff Foxworthy are different people. Uh, like, uh, He's known for you might be a redneck one-liners. Six, I was just kind of kidding, but I think they do get confused uh, uh, for like a little bit, uh, just depending on how big a fan you are. Not that there's anything wrong with being a fan. He's got six albums, three or uh, two of them are three times platinum. He's got a bunch of books, uh, an autobiography, no shirt, no shoes, no problem. He, he's had his own sitcom. I'm sure he's a big sponsor. Blue Collar TV with Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Uh, Foxworthy Countdown. Let's see. What is his career? Let's just, uh, in 1993, that's when you might be a redneck if uh, hit the charts. And, uh, you know, it was only, like, slow growth, in it, but he's managed to, like, gr- grow and keep going. Uh, he was comedy cent- roasted by Comedy Central in 2005. Uh, he was on Space Coast, Coast to Coast. He was trying to explain, that would be funny, re- the redneck joke. Uh, and uh, so that uh, sounds fun- funny. Um, let's see what else. The Blue Collar Comedy. Uh, that was in the early 2000s, so that maybe was launched Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, biography we talked about, uh, uh, also has a redneck dictionary, one, two, and three. Uh, he wrote a children's book in 2008 and nine and ten. Uh, how to really stink at golf, uh, so a lot of stuff he just got just went on the national radio show, uh, outdoor stuff. Uh, so he's a busy guy, really popular. And uh, obviously, I think his name came up last. I think it came up last week too, because I had to look it up. Uh, what about the Dewey Decimal System in poetry? Right, because I know you were wondering about that. This is from penandthepad.com. Uh, Keila Hellstrom uh, from March 23rd, 2017, How to Classify Poetry in the Dewey Decimal System. Uh, as you may or may not know, Dewey Decimal System is an international coding system you know, used to arrange uh, library materials in libraries. It classifies materials into 10 major disciplines and then divides them by 100 subtopics. And then materials are classified by a call number, which is used to find the book or materials within the library. And it has uh, four components, a size de- designation, a Dewey Decimal number, a cutter mo- number, and a work mark. Uh, uh, poetry is, is, is assigned to the, the topic of literature. 
materials classified as literature are in Dewey Decimal Class 800. Uh, now it says review an expanded list of the Dewey classes for 800 and identify which class applies to the book of poetry you're classifying. Use decimals to further distinguish the book. Is it English poetry? 821. French poetry? 841. Uh, classical Greek? 881. And uh, on and on and on. Uh, then you can keep it going down. But uh, So that's a little bit. So they said, let's see. Let's look up some Dewey Decimal numbers. Uh, so this is from bpac.com. Uh, Dewey Decimal Classification 800. So 800 is literature and rhetoric. Uh, 801 is philosophy and theory. 802, miscellany. Uh, 803, dictionaries and encyclopedias. 804, unlabeled. Uh, on this list, I, you know, I worked in a library once. Uh, 805, serial publications. 806, organizations. Oh, so this is generalities, 800. Uh, 807, Educational, Research, and Related. 808, Rhetoric uh, and Collections. 809, Literary History and Criticism. 810 is American and Canadian Literature. 811 is Poetry, I think, within that uh, context. 812 is Drama. 813, and on and on. 820 is English and Old English Literatures. And I think this is probably like a Western-focused... you know, so maybe we're ready for a re- reinvention of Dewey Decimal. 830 is Germanic and German languages. 840, French literatures. Uh, 850, Italian, Romanian literatures. Uh, 860, Spanish and Portuguese literatures. Uh, 870, Italic literatures, Latin. Uh, 880 Hellenic uh, Hellenic uh, literatures, classical Greek, and 890. Oh, our egos in the West here. Oh, 890s, everybody else. Uh, so it's a little bit about Dewey Decimal. Yeah, what about Thomas Aquinas, or as Eleanor said, Tommy Quine Quine? Which cracked me up. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, uh, Italian Dominican friar, Catholic priest, and doctor of the church. Uh, also a philosopher, theologian, jurist uh, in the tradition of scholasticism. Uh, the name Aquinas identifies his ancestral origins in the county of Aquino in day, present-day Lazio. Uh, he was foremost, according this is according to Wikipedia, a, a proponent of natural theology in Tom T H T H O M Thomism, which argued that reason is found in God. Uh, his influence on Western thought is considerable. Much modern philosophy developed or opposed his ideas, particularly in ethics, natural law, metaphysics, and political theory. Uh, Thomas did embrace the several ideas before by Aristotle, who he called the philosopher. And he attempted to synthesize Aristotelian philosophy with Christianity. His best-known works are uh, uh, Disputed Questions on Truth, uh, 1256, that came out. Uh, Summa Con Gentiles, uh, Summa Theologiae. Uh, he's got commentaries. He's praised for his Eucharistic hymns. 
Catholic Church uh, honors Aquinas as a saint and regards him as a model teacher for those studying for the priesthood. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, early life, uh, you know, he was a kid once. Uh, uh, then there's a lot, a lot here. He's, he lived around the world. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, final days. Uh, it's 1274. Uh, 1274. So there's a lot. Of, I mean, he's almost too much. Uh, I'm just trying to see commentaries and I was trying to see. Oh, here's ethics. Uh, uh, concept of first principles of action. Maybe that's what Chidi's going to teach teach about. Uh, virtue denotes a certain perfection of a power. Now, things perfection is considered chiefly in regard to its end. But the end of power is act. Wherefore, power is said to be perfect. Uh, according as it is determinate to its act. Uh, all acts of virtue are prescribed by natural law, since each one's reason naturally dictates them to act virtuously. Oh, boy, we could... But if we speak of virtuous acts considered in themselves, uh, thus not all virtuous acts are prescribed by natural law, for many things are done virtuously, to which the nature does not incline at first, but that through... Inquiry of reason has been found uh, to be conducive to well-living. Therefore, we must determine if we are speaking of virtuous acts, it's under the aspect of virtuous, or is an act in its species. Uh, big on four, cardinal virtues, prudence, temperance, justice, and fortitude. Uh, and then three the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. So a little bit about Tommy Quine. Quine, you could read a lot more in the link in the show notes. Uh, what about this movie, Singles? Uh, it came out all the way in 1992, and uh, you clicked the wrong button. No, here it is. It's American romantic comedy, directed by Cameron Crowe and written and co-produced. Uh, it starred Bridget Fonda, Campbell Scott, Kira Sedgwick, and Matt Dillon. And it was a moderate box office success, positive uh, reviews from critics. Uh, this was back, back when Gen X was the thing, man. Uh, they were in Seattle during the 90s grunge phenomenon, all about everybody living in one apartment block, uh, which advertises singles for rent, single bedroom apartments. Uh, the film's divided into chapters that focus on the course of uh, two couples' romances. It revolves around uh, Janet and Cliff, uh, a waitress and an expiring musician uh, who was banned Citizen Dick, which has uh, members from Pearl Jam, real-life Pearl Jam, and then Linda and Steve, uh, who are trying to decide if they should be together, uh, Debbie. So this is definitely like a 90 sensibility. It feels like 50 sensibility a little bit, uh, but it's set against the backdrop of the grunge movement. Uh, and let's see if we can find anything else. Uh, I thought it was like Campbell Scott's character liked uh, Bridget Fonda's character, and she sneezes. Oh, Paul Westerberg did a lot of the music. That's that's probably why I remember it the most. Uh, I was like, who? Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's other grunge songs on there. Paul, Paul, but, but, but I said, oh, wait, is, that's a thing. But, but, but uh, let's see, uh, Bill Pullman's in it, too. Uh, 
But I, oh, Tom Skerritt, holy cow, Jeremy Piven, Eric Stoltz is a mime in it, Tim Burton. Uh, yeah, so, um, but I could have sworn, okay, so what happened that I, and this isn't a good knock on the movie, uh, but it's one thing I remember, I guess, other than Paul Westerberg, which I forgot, is uh, that at some point, Bridget Fonda's character sneezes. And I saw Cameron or Campbell Scott's character tra- was attracted to her, and like, uh, was like, she was like, Oh, I was hoping for this. She's kind of like a hopeless romantic, but drawn to Matt Dillon's character. And he says, Hey, but wipe your nose or something. Uh, I guess that's what I remember about it. And, and then, uh, I guess, but, but it so just reminded me of that scene. So that's a bit of a rabbit hole, you know. Okay, what about Siamese cats? They're one of the first to distinctly recognize breeds of cats. Uh, they're d- derived uh, from a uh, species of cat and native to Thailand, uh, formerly known as Siam. And they became one of the more popular breeds in the 19th century in Europe and North America. It's characterized uh, by triangular head shape, large ears, along, the fact that Georgia has a few of them uh, from MFM elongated, slender, muscular body, uh, point coloration. It bears a little resemblance to the original stock. Uh, the International Cat Association describes modern Siamese as affectionate, social, intelligent, and playful into adulthood, often enjoying a game of fetch. They tend to seek human interaction and also like companionship from other cats. Uh, what else do we need to know? The pointed cat, known in the West as Siamese, is recognized for its distinctive markings. Let's see. In 1878, U.S. President Rutherford B. Hayes, uh, that, was some, that was somebody that was president of the United States, apparently. Uh, you see, I was educated in the United States. Uh, uh, no, I've heard of Rutherford B. Hayes. I thought he was, like, uh, founded, uh, like, one of the failed competitors to J.C. Penney's, but... Uh, he he first documented Siamese. He received the first Siamese cat accordingly. It was sent by the American Council in Bangkok, 1884. Uh, then someone else brought in. Uh, oh, and Mia. Uh, let's see, it was 1858. They were somewhere at London's Crystal Palace show. Uh, they're compared to the British Shorthair. A traditional, we kind of talked about traditional versus modern. Uh, really cute cats, uh, and uh, pointed pattern. Oh, it has is a form of partial albinism. Albinism, albinism, right? I'm saying that correctly. Uh, let's see. That's where the darker colorations in the coolest part of the cat's body, uh, excluding including the extremities and face. Uh, which is cooled by a passage of air through the sinuses. Uh, what else? Anything else we need to temper it? We, we kind of talked about that. Uh, here's some breeds derived from the Siamese. You got the Balinese, the Bengal cat, the Burman, Burmese, Havana brown, color point short hair, Himalayan, the Javanese, OCI cat, uh, uh, let's see, Savannah, Snowshoe, Tie Cat, to- to- Tonkinese. In The Wizard of Oz, the Siamese cat is uh, the cause for Dorothy missing the balloon back to Kansas. Uh, 
Rolling Stone song Under My Thumb has uh, Bob Dylan mentions it in like a Rolling Stone. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think, uh, what is it? Elvis is it? That's uh, George's cat. Uh, you know, for more cat stuff, listen to Stephen's podcast for sure. What about penguins? Uh, they're aquatic flightless birds, uh, live exclusively in the southern hemisphere. Except for the Galapagos penguin is north of the equator. Uh, they're adapted for life in the water. They have countershaded contra- contra- dark and white plumage. Uh, wings have evolved into flippers. Uh, they feed on krill, fish, squid, and other forms of sea life. While swimming underwater, they catch them. They spend about half their lives on land and half at sea. And they're popular being in movies. I mean, that's the one thing. Uh, and to Jason, according to Jason, uh, they are uh, mythical creatures, which I can see why. I mean, you get one look at the southern rock opera penguin, and you're going to say, if you're not going to say it's uh, mythical, you're going to say it's uh, what if, epic. Uh, okay, centaurs. That's something I definitely want to cover here. A centaur, a hippocentaur, is a mythological creature with the upper body of a human and lower body and legs of a horse. Uh, yeah, originally, they were uh, born of uh, Ixon and Nephele, uh, the cloud made in the image of Hera. Another version uh, makes them child of a certain centaurus uh, who mated with manganesian mares. Uh, who was the son of, uh, like, so extra or Apollo. And so a lot of different possibilities of ancestry for centaurs. Uh, they inhabited a region around Magnesia and Mount Pelion and uh, Thessaly, Thessaly, the Folio Oak Forest in Lys and uh, southern Laconia. Uh, there's some that lived on Cyprus. Uh, they may have been fathered by Zeus uh, in frustration after uh, Aphrodite wouldn't give them the time of day. Uh, what do we got? Uh, they're known for that they don't like the lap- Lapithis. Uh, uh, let's see, this is complicated stuff. I didn't realize they had to, are these, I thought these were fake creatures. This history makes it sound real. Uh, a lot of depictions in classical art, uh, theories on their origin. Uh, might have been, oh, this is interesting. When you talk about even the fictional fantasy books, the first reaction of a non-riding culture uh, to nomads mounted on horses. Uh, it has thought maybe that's what they were at first. Uh, uh, so that's possible. Um Let's see. They were described as the inventors of horseback riding by Greek writers. Uh, it, uh, the, this is just trying to track where they came from. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for more like uh, uh, th- this is all their history. I was looking for more of like their personalities and stuff like that. Uh, instead of the history of the history of the centaurs, like, uh, you know, what what's up with them? What are the top uh, myths? uh Let's see if we look up the centaur here. Now that has all the, um, so it's a little bit. I don't want to dig it too deep in there and get lost. What about owls? That's a great question. They're, they're uh, birds from, uh, there's 200 species, solitary and nocturnal birds of prey. 
typified by upright stance, uh, binocular vision, binaural hearing, those uh, sweet, sweet talons, the uh, feathers for silent flight. Exceptions include the diurnal uh, northern hawk owl and the gregarious burrowing owl. Oh, that burrowing owl. I can't get enough of it. Uh, mostly they deal with small mammals, insects, and other birds. Uh, some specialize in fish. All regions of the earth are found on except for polarized cats and a few remote islands. Uh, there's there's the uh, uh, true or typical owl family and then the barn owl family. Uh, forward-facing eyes, uh, eyes and ear holes, uh, uh, hawk-like beak, a flat face, a conspicuous circle of feathers, facial discus around each eye. Uh, the feathers making up of this disc can be adjusted to sharply focused sounds uh, uh, from varying distances into the owl. I wonder what they think about the podcast and the asymmetrically placed ear cavities. Uh, most birds of prey have their eyes on the sides of their heads, but uh, the stereoscopic nature of the owl's forward-facing eyes from its greater sense of depth perception for low-light hunting. So they, their eyes are probably like a f f-stop, uh, like a, less than 1.4 even, 0.08, maybe even lower than that. Uh, although they have binocular vision, their large eyes are fixed in their sockets, uh, as are those of most other birds. Uh, so they have to turn their head to change views. Uh, as owls are far-sighted, they're unable. Oh, no wonder they don't like it when I talk close to them. They can't clearly see anything with a few within a few centimeters. I said, "Can you read this contract I have? Uh, you know, I want you to be like my Harry Potter owl. Uh, owls can rotate their head over 270 degrees. 14. So that's some cool stuff about owls. 14 neck vertebrae." Uh, what about combination skin, Scoots? What about it? Uh, well, uh, here's uh, from Allure, Seven Signs of Combination Skin and How to Deal with It by Maddie Aberman, uh, June 13, 2016. Uh, if you're oily or dry, I feel like I'm one of both of those. Uh, it starts but when you have a little bit of both, uh, that's when it gets complicated. You get too hydrated with hydrating creams. Oil absorption masks are too absorbing, and balancing lotions don't balance. Uh, but they say it's uh, super common. So uh, if any of these statements sound true, you may have combination skin. Uh, Twenty minutes after washing your face, you see oiliness in certain parts of your face, but not others. I think that's true for me. When you uh, use a moisturizer for your skin, it makes your cheeks feel good, but your T-zone looks like an oil slick. What's your T-zone? I think that's like uh, under your eyes. That's uh, me. The pores on your face, your nose are larger than the pores on your cheek and jawline. Definitely true for me. You have dandruff. Uh, maybe, I don't know, I have enough hair, I don't think. Uh, you get breakouts and dry patches at the same time. Yeah. State of your T-zone is determined by the weather. That is true for me. If it's humid, I'm probably oily. Your flaky layers are in your T-zone. Yeah, so I guess I have combination skin. And you can link to this lure article if you have it and want some advice. What about horse ballets? Are they actually a thing? It turns out this New Republic article, they are. As it loads uh, slowly, let's see. Uh, Ballet for Horses, eight writers on the meaning of Olympic sports dressage. Uh, 
often described as a horse belly. This is by Charlotte Shane, October, August 9th, 2016. Uh, you know, it talks about dressage and uh, watching it. If you're in, if you aren't in the habit of thinking about the mechanics of a canter, you won't notice the leading leg switch that, that takes place during a flying change. And if you can only cheer for a competitor who pants with exertion at the end of their performance, you'll be disappointed. Uh, to the casual observer, dressage appears to require less than, than uh, athleticism, as does competitive dog dancing. Uh, but like ballet, the sport is associated, uh, oh, it's also associated, with, associated with wealth and refined sensibility. Oh, that's why Romney tried to get rid of his, uh, his uh, dressage horses. I think a dressage, maybe? I don't know. Uh, in our favorite fictions, uh, spirited non-wealthy children can excel, but National Velvet, Mist- Misty, Black Stallion, uh, let's see. But, uh, as Americans, we like our horses like we like to imagine ourselves heedless, powerful, and selectively friendly. Uh, well, modern dressage has its roots in training cavalry steeds where obedience was paramount. Uh, the So this a little bit is a really... Uh, Article, nice little, the increasing, increasing, uh, let's see, the dissonance between the horse's instinctive movement and the elements of dressage is what makes it such a triumph. Uh, The horse is uh, expected to be exposed to, you know, flight or fright. uh, uh, So uh, the fact that it lets a human guide it around is already a wonder. Uh, so what some may characterize as mastery over, others perceive as cooperation with. A good riding is a partnership. Uh, no equestrian competitor, quoting, can participate in the Olympics without a horse they've committed to, meaning there can be no substitutions, no changes. Uh, they're committed to their horse. So that's a, I like that uh, way to close it out uh, and settle you in. Good night. Uh, one thing, everybody recently reviewed the podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts uh, from Canada. CRAF, uh, C-R-A-F, double uh, J-C-D-T-double-H. Fantastic to fall asleep to. Uh, never once been able to make it through a whole episode. Uh, B-Dings, Lifesaver, discovered on Spotify. Uh, and uh, helped me fall asleep uh, worked i use it at least three times a week i love the on location and nuns in space uh here's a caution don't use heavy machinery well listen to this podcast that's from uh reba oh reba 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 uh put a quarter in a tree uh rita tied her finger to a stitch uh maybe maybe not maybe that's i don't think that is how it goes but uh uh, Johnny Gizmo says, uh, following down the rabbit hole of sleep, challenge myself to follow the narration, but I can't. Uh, feels like a toddler wandering around in a maze of conversation, uh, waddling around. Uh, five stars, though. They, they, they mean it like, they, they, like in a good way, which is a great uh, compliment. Uh, uh, Flapjack1029. One of my favorite favorite Flapjacks was 1,000... In 28th and 29th flapjacks I consumed in my life, uh, just what I needed. Whether I'm uh, sick or mind racing or need a good friend, Scoots is the perfect person for the job. Uh, Bibber says, uh, worst thing I've ever subject myself to. Honestly, what do people find soothing about this thing? Uh, not to mention my, like, some mean things, and then not to mention mindless circular banter. 
they they really just they don't like the show. I'm sorry, Bibber. Hopefully, you have something to help you sleep because it sounds like you might need. Here you go. This is my. Uh... Anyway, Miss Maddie May, who uh, was a song, there was a Rod Stewart song that didn't come out about Maddie May. Uh, says thank you, Scooter. Probably best sleep podcast ever. Always had trouble falling asleep. Uh, five stars. Thanks for reading this. Thank you, Scooter. I fell asleep before the story even started. Uh, here comes Lyndon Root, who says, best cure for my insomnia. Uh, my all overactive mind during my adult years. A scooter's great at taking me to somewhere else. I used music, uh, but my mind still wanders. When Scooter talks, uh, those words of my mind, I can let go and relax. I believe it works so well. When my mind is overactive, it's constantly chattering. And not playing music, so his words replace exactly my mind's words, so I can relax. I'm a teacher and a parent, and I take my work home with me. Uh, so thank you. Happy to help. That's from Eric, a.k.a. Lindenroot. Uh, soothing voice of an angel. <laughs> so so some people like my voice and some people don't. Uh, it's the way the world is, though, you know. I eat my poo. I eat my poo. Oh, that was good. you got me there. That's a good one. I love that. I think I've read this one before, and I, did I fall for this joke twice? Seriously, if, if you listen to the thank yous and I fell for this joke twice, please let me know. That was a good one. I eat my poo. If you say it like that, it's like a southern accent, too. I eat my poo. If you say it, I, never, I never knew that joke. This is, And probably I fell for it already like two weeks ago. Uh, but it's all in fun humor because they say, I, I eat my poo. Uh Darn tootin'. That's what I want to say at the end of it. Soothing voice of an angel. Has everyone to- told you your voice sounds like the love child of Jeff Goldblum and Ben Stein? Perfectly and wonderfully soothing. Listen, to Quad Tower is delightful. I'm honestly excited for bed. That's my job. Uh, thanks for what you're doing. Sincerely, Soupy. And then comes in at Kelso Pants, uh, who doesn't like it. Uh, uh, they, they, they just go on and on a little bit. Uh, Said the intro's too long. That's why I put the intro. You can skip it if you like, uh, but it's a show within a show. I realize some people, it's it's kind of a, like a tough thing for me because the intro is beloved uh, and uh, kind of a part of the show. And I guess if you like the intro, like like that's why I put the cut, to cut ahead because it's like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to do. Like uh, we did try Sleep to Strange. And the patrons get story only episodes, but uh, like uh, the story, the intros without the intro, the podcast would just blunder into a story. So I find the intro anchors people and welcomes them, uh, it, it gives them an idea that I'm not going to make it a lot of sense because uh, since the intro takes twelve minutes, uh, but it's not uh, twelve minutes of advertising. There's really only three or four or five minutes tucked in there. And that's the only way to keep the show for free. I don't want to put it behind a paywall. Uh, anyway, K- KT, Scoots, Scoots is speaking, is trying to talk. I was just trying to talk Kelso Pants to see my side. You know, I see your side, Kelso. I, I, would love, I, I did do it for a long time, just story only, uh, sleep to strange. But we just didn't have the support to keep it going. Uh, so, but now, so that is available to the patrons and, and pretty popular. People like making playlists of the story on the episodes. So you're actually right, Kelso. Uh, so thanks. Uh, thanks for uh, confirming everybody's right. People that love the intro are right. People that love the story are right. It's more for, for what's appropriate for a free public podcast, I guess. Uh, 
is uh, the story only part doesn't work as well. Gift of gentleness, uh, the gift of rambliness for me. That comes from KT twenty nine twenty nine twenty nine. Uh, thanks, Scoots, a gentle, goofy friend to waffle you off to sleepy land. I run a playlist back to back. Have better nights of sleep with a, with a pair of crazy cans on my head than I would without them. Sometimes I wake up at three a.m. There's uh, it's, uh, someone lovely there, still waffling away to me. Uh, my state of mind is immeasurably improved. I wonder what my neighbors think. Uh, that I'm a happy dreamer, I guess, which I am. Thanks to Scoot. So that's very nice. Uh, here's another one. Let's see if I can get Purs Purs Dadder. Purs Dadder. Purs Dadder from Norway. Uh, really works for me. Struggle with stressed and ang- anxious stuff. Uh, analyzing, overthinking. Not easy on my brain. I've tried different things, uh, but I haven't been able to sleep before I found this podcast. Uh, I can't believe how fast I fall asleep. I have a brain that gets interested and intrigued by smallest things, but it's nothing to be intrigued by here. And I mean that in the best possible way. Uh, hypnotizing voice and calm speaking, speaking calms me down so I can fall asleep. I'm so grateful. Thanks. Thanks. I'm grateful that, uh, you, you help it. And then shiverless, shiver, shiverlessly, shiverless lefty, shiverless lefty says, uh, stick with it. It's meant to be weird, weird, wonderful, charming. Helps me get to sleep at least once a week, uh, normally with a smile on my face. Give a give it a few listens to get used to its sadness. So thank you. And thanks, everybody, that supports the show. Uh, Sleeping Beast listeners supported uh, by the patrons and the people that support the sponsors. We grow uh, by the people that spread the word. So 100% dependent on the listeners uh, uh, to keep the show going. Uh, who, who listeners that depend on the show, I depend on them. It's a great relationship we have here. I'm really appreciative of everybody. And uh, what else? Uh, oh, we're part of Night Vale Presents. Check out all the amazing shows they do over at nightvalepresents.com. Check out our merch store, sleepwithmepodcast.com. And uh, we're also part of PRX. So you can see all the amazing things they're doing, particularly uh, working. There's going to be new initiatives, prx.org. If you're a creator or a podcaster, keep an eye on that page. Uh, keep an eye on what they're doing. And that's it. Let me get, you know, if you need another episode, it's ready to go. Just cue it up. Uh, warm it up, Chris. I'm about to warm it up, Scoots. Well, uh, lulling, that's what I was born to do. My brain's done full of goo. Uh, and uh, good night. Thank you. Thank you. Good night.